the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Come Together San Diego with a very, very, very special broadcast. I'm actually broadcasting with a dear friend in Jerusalem right now. In fact, you will know the name. His name is Chris Mitchell, and he is the CBN Middle East uh, Bureau Chief and so much more. He broadcasts Jerusalem Dateline. We're going to talk a little bit about what is on the news right now, but beyond that, we're going to talk about uh, Chris Mitchell's heart from an ecclesiastical standpoint or a, a biblical, biblical eschatological standpoint. <laughs> so, my friend, I hope you're ready for this. Chris Mitchell, you're there, yes? Yes, I am, Kaz, and it's great to be with you from here in Jerusalem all the way to San Diego. I know, that's amazing. You know, Jerusalem Jerusalem Dateline is a favorite show of many, including me, but you begin that with a shofar blast— because I, I, you know, right. there's, there's a scripture that says in, in First Corinthians, uh, uh, for the the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and those who are alive and remain. Many don't know that scripture shall rise up to be with him in the in in the air. Uh, that, that shofar blast is amazing. So I brought my little ram's horn, my little ram's horn, not my big kudu antelope horn, but my ram's horn. Okay. I'm going to start our show with that, and you and I are going to rock and roll. Is that okay? That's great. Let's Go see. For it. Let's see if my lips can keep the promises that my mind just made. Hang on. There. Ooh, what do you know, Chris? <laughs> Chris Mitchell. Wow, that was a great. <laughs> you know, I know. I remember a pastor that used to start his uh, messages with the with a ram's horn and a shofar blast. Yes, and uh, he just felt it kind of uh, changed. The spiritual atmosphere. Well, let's just say that this did. And, and, and you, you know, the, the shofar blast, you know, the time frame that we're in right now, this is a very significant time. The shofar blast was used to, with the change of seasons, the, the mm-hmm. festivals and feasts and so forth, and definite important proclamations. So I'm believing, Chris Mitchell, that this is a remarkable proclamation that needs to be heard, thus the, the ram's horn. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about... What what the plan is, Chris, is I think maybe the first four of eight segments are going to be used to um, let's 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 deal with the news of the day. And you've got election stuff going on. You've got uh, yeah. uh, Iranian stuff going on. You've got the peace process going on. You've got red heifer things going on. So many things. <laughs> so let, let's start out with the things that are going on right now tied to election. Sure, sure. What's going on? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, just to be clear, that the uh, by the time this is aired, the elections will have taken place. So, uh, what happens after the elections and after the results come in is that the president of Israel, and this is probably his most um, 
serious political uh, decision he needs to make. A lot of what he does is ceremonial. Uh, I guess people call it soft power uh, oh. as the president of Israel. He's not like the prime minister. But what he does, he sits down with all of the political parties that have qualified to sit in the Knesset. The Knesset is 120 seats, and it's a parliamentary system of government, meaning that any coalition government needs to have the support of 61 members of the Knesset to actually form a government. And uh, unfortunately for Israel, it's been a very, very difficult time to have a stable coalition government. So they have had uh, five elections in the past four years, and that is really unprecedented for um, Israel, even though since 1988, Kaz, uh, there hasn't been a government that has served out its complete four-year term. So it can be uh, difficult to get a stable coalition for four consecutive years, but this past several years has been very, very difficult. Um, And part of it, Kaz, revolves around Benjamin Netanyahu. Yes. Uh, If you could look at the constellation of political parties in <laughs> Israel. Yes. Uh, and there's many of them. There's usually like 35 political parties that were running in this uh, past election, but only about typically, you know, eight to 10 qualify for the Knesset. But uh, of those parties, most of them are center right. You could define them. However, some of those center right parties don't want to serve in a government with Benjamin Netanyahu oh, for yeah. various reasons. And that's been Sometimes the case all along, along the way, hasn't it? It's kind of like do what you can to get Netanyahu out of the out of the mix. By the way, we have about five minutes and 20 seconds in this segment, just so that you know you're a broadcaster. You know what that means. So I'll sure. be giving you these time codes all along the way, about five minutes yeah. and 20 seconds. Continue on. Yes. So that has a that has been the main issue in, in the last election. It was sort of anybody but Bibi was sort of the platform oh that the uh, the government ran on. It's very it's not a very good policy platform, and that government lasted just about a year. Uh, and so, it really is important that people pray that Israel will have a stable coalition government in light of all the challenges and threats that Israel faces on a daily basis. Well, well, what do you do? I mean, you've got threats with Iran. You've got threats uh, from from inside and outside uh, of Israel, uh, border border countries as well. So what do you do Mm -hmm. when you have a government that is uh, lame, shall we say? I mean, obviously you have to function and save yourself. Exactly. The good news is that the uh, the IDF is... Uh, on watch 24-7, 365, the IDF meaning Israel Defense Forces. Uh, so on that regard, it's uh, you could say that the threats, whether internal or external, are, are being addressed by the IDF. However, the policies can change and what to do about, um, you know, a potential nuclear Iran. There was just a, a deal signed at the end of this government. Uh, it was called a maritime deal with uh, Lebanon and uh the signing was was actually brokered by the United States, and they resolved a, more than a 10-year dispute between territorial waters between Lebanon and Israel. And it's very important because they've discovered natural gas in these areas I know. off the coast of Lebanon and, um, and Israel. What about, a, about, three, about three minutes is, left. About three minutes left, Chris. Sure. 
So what that caretaker government did, Kaz, was it signed agreement, the, um, which many people objected to because they felt like it was giving up sovereign territory. Uh, so this is some of the challenges when you don't have a, a, cha- a stable coalition government here in Israel. So let's just say in a couple of minutes, what happens if Benjamin Netanyahu is the guy who is brought in? So what are the would the immediate changes be uh, in, in the government and what areas would be you feel more, you know, Israelis feel more secure? Yeah, or, I think uh, I talked to an analyst, uh, Kaz, and uh, I think he put the election in two particular ways. He said the choice was really for a strong nationalist, nationalistic Jewish homeland or a more secular uh, policy and, and a more secular direction uh, for Israel. For example, the nationalistic government would probably define what the world calls the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, some of the biblical heartland. On the other hand, there are some in a the former government that really said, well, we don't really want to include any investment in the West Bank because we don't think that's going to be part of Israel. So those are some of the choices oh, yes. and differences between, you know, a more nationalistic uh, Zionist government as more of a secular government. And someone defined it sort of like an extension of Europe on the Mediterranean uh, yes. My listening friend, we're talking with Chris Mitchell. He's the CBN Middle East Bureau Chief um, and the host. And I guess you co-host with Julie Stahl in many instances. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Jerusalem Dateline. How can people find out about Jerusalem Dateline and listen and watch on in? Well, if they'd like, they can go online, JerusalemDateline.com. Uh, it comes out every Friday and also we have just begun in the beginning of October two programs a week. So we'll now have online Jerusalem Dateline on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yes, and yes, that's yes. probably the easiest way people can can watch it. Yes. Chris Mitchell, we're going to be coming back in just a moment or two. We, so much going on in the news. I wanted you to hit the election stuff first because that's really in the face right now. And, and right now uh, on uh, the last day of October of 2022, this 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 is a time frame where actually votes are being counted and things like that. So my listening friend, you know, uh, in the United United States elections are happening, too. Uh, and some people feel like there's a d- direct parallel between what's going on in Israel and what's going on in the United States. In particular, we've faced so many uh, challenges in the voting issue as well. So my listening friend, I'm going to be bringing Chris back for the in the next segment. We're going to talk about Iran and some other threats that are in the news NOW now, because Chris Mitchell is a guy who has his thumb on the pulse of things that are going on in Israel. I'm a believer uh, in the Lord, and I I believe that Israel uh, is is the showcase for things that are happening in prophecy and will relate to things that are going on in the entire world. So Chris Mitchell and I, uh, are you ready to come back after the break, Chris? I sure am, Kaz. Look forward to it. (laughs) My listening friend, Chris Mitchell and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friends. I am with a growing, growingly good friend, Chris Mitchell, in the Middle East area. He's the CBN Middle East Bureau Chief. Chris Mitchell, uh, Jerusalem Dateline, beginning uh, two broadcasts, a 
uh, a week now. Uh, Chris, let's talk a little bit about what's going on <laughs> going on in Iran. I mean, it's always been threatening, but maybe that threat yeah. is a little, more, little bit more realistic. What's going on there, and how does it relate to Israel? How does it relate to mm-hmm. America, Big Satan, Little Satan, and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Kaz, uh, you know, I, Iran has been sort of the nemesis for Israel since 1979 when the Iranian revolution uh, began. And uh, as you said, they, the way they look at the world, they, they see uh, Israel as the little Satan, uh, America as the great Satan. And there was a, an Iranian expert that described that to me one time. He said what it kind of means is at first they want to destroy Judaism, Ooh. that would be the state of Israel, and then they want to destroy Christianity, which is uh, represented in their minds by America. And they want to, uh, in their long-term goals, they want to spread their Islamic uh, theology all over the world, and they want to control the world. Uh, it, it sounds fantastic, perhaps, but that is what's what drives them, and that's part of the reasoning behind the Iranian uh, nuclear weapons program, where they seem to be getting closer and closer. Yes. Uh, enriching uranium almost to weapons-grade level. They have a robust ballistic missile program. Uh, and, and even despite that, the United States has been trying to broker a nuclear deal that would actually uh, lift sanctions off of Iran and give them literally hundreds of billions of dollars in the next 10 years or so uh, to be able to export their terrorism throughout the Middle East and around the world. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't even I can't even comprehend that. I can't even comprehend that. Yeah, also, isn't there really is an issue between the Sunni and the Shiite as well, because you've got Iran as one uh, in, uh, in one pivotal place, but you've got Saudi yeah. Arabia as well. So you've got the Sunni uh, Muslims and the Shiite Muslims, and they don't see eye to eye either. I mean, we've got a, a real bubbling pot going on there in, in Israel and the Middle East. Would you like to bring that into uh, focus as well? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, been a divide between the Sunnis and the Shiites in Islam since uh, almost 1,400 years. Uh, the big division meaning after the death of Muhammad that the Shiites wanted the um, successor to come from the family line, and the Sunnis wanted the successor of Muhammad to come from the Islamic Ummah, the, the community of uh, Muslims. And so that divide has existed uh about 14 centuries. And uh, so in a way, uh, people may not know this, but, you know, they see, for example, Saudi Arabia sees Iran as a mortal enemy in many of the Gulf states. Earlier this year, we were down and visiting with uh, leaders in the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. One of the leaders said to uh, the group that was traveling, uh, our three top enemies are Iran, Iran, and Iran. Oh, and, my. Uh, and they're not very far away. They're just over the, uh, the Arabian Gulf or the Persian Gulf, however you want to say it, just about 100 miles away. So they're, they were in range of drones and missiles, uh, even gunships. So it's very, very serious to them. And that's part of the reason, Kaz, where people have, they have signed the Abraham Accords and they're allying themselves with the Jewish state because— they all see Iran as a mortal enemy. Yes, we're going to talk about that in the next segment about the peace uh, and peace treaty issues, because there are, I mean, even though Saudi Arabia, uh, it sounds like are inter- they're not in the mix yet. They're not in the in the peace accord yet, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, making the 
uh, overtures that it, this will happen soon. But a lot of that may happen, maybe tied to elections, maybe not even only in Israel, but also in the United States. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, pieces in, in the works here. Yes. So so mm-hmm. uh, Iran... You know, people that may presume that Iran has is going to change their heart. It's kind of like Iran has this uh, this mentality ingrained. It's not it's not like it would be a passing thing that they could change their mind. This is so ingrained. It's uh, this is their way of life. And this is how it must be. I mean, there's no compromise in that mindset. Would you like to expand a little bit on that? We have about six minutes or so left in this segment. Chris Mitchell. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Three things I, w- I would say, Kaz. First of all, uh, there is besides their Iranian nuclear program, uh, in one way they're exporting their ideology that really is entrenched is uh, sort of trying to gain military advantage on Israel's northern border inside Syria. And that's sort of what p- some people call here the war between wars, where uh, it'll periodically, almost on a, a weekly basis and sometimes uh, several times a week, uh, Israel will attack Iranian installations, perhaps missile shipments to Hezbollah in Lebanon, uh, and that goes on on a regular basis. Uh, the other thing is Iran has expanded uh, by allying themselves now with Russia inside Ukraine by supplying them with hundreds of drones. Uh, you know, Say that really again slowly, them. because Ukraine is, is also a, a, a threatening issue. And a lot of people think that they understand what's going on in Ukraine, but they probably don't. So say that again. Well, one thing, <clears throat> Russia is actually allying themselves with Iran. Uh, and Iran is supplying Russia with hundreds of drones, these suicide drones that can strike uh, any installation they may program it to strike. Right now, they're seemingly striking at um, power plants uh, to con- actually sort of put uh, put Ukraine in a in a winter uh, without power as they face yes. the cold weather uh, in the winter. So, so that's a, a a pretty serious development. So what so what does Iran have that uh, Russia wants? And what does Russia have that Iran wants? Make it make it clear for our listeners to understand that. Well, what Russia wants is the technology that Iran has developed uh, with its drones. Uh, you would think that a nuclear power like Russia would have uh, that kind of technology, but but is Iran has really uh, developed their drones and, and manufactured drones on a scale that really helps Russia in its um, uh, in its fight against Ukraine. On the other hand, Iran would like uh, nuclear technology from Russia, uh, and they would want uh, that alliance to grow stronger, to be able to sell oil uh, on the global market, uh, perhaps China or Russia. But uh, they want the, uh, the kind of economic benefits that can they can get by allying themselves with, uh, with Russia. And I would add, Kaz, and which is this is a caveat to all of this, for the last several weeks, actually, uh, almost a couple of months by now, is that there have been protests inside Iran that are really posing a threat to the Iran- Islamic regime. And people, after living for more than 40 years under this uh, tyrannical regime, really many people say they have nothing to lose. So they're going out into the streets and protesting against the government. Whether or not it can get to a tipping point to overthrow the regime remains to be seen. But these are thousands, hundreds of thousands of Iranians that are crying out for freedom and uh, they deserve our prayers and support. 
And uh, what they're looking for is somebody in the outside world, particularly the U.S., to stand with them. Whether or not that will happen remains yes. to be seen. But but this is one positive sign of what's happening in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Yes. You know, by the way, Chris, we have about two two minutes left in this segment. My listening friend, if you were familiar with what's going on behind the scenes in Iran, you, you would have a, a lot of hope because there are a lot of people that embrace the I'm just going to say it, the Judeo-Christian point of view, and they have a real compassion for godliness, and their definition of godliness is different from the uh, the Iranian governmental point of view. And so uh, there's much to be prayed for on behalf of the people in Iran, because many of these people are willing to make their stands even unto death. And my listening friend, if you draw the parallel with what's going on, maybe in some areas in Israel, maybe even in many areas in the United States, there are people that have this Judeo-Christian heart cry mindset, but many other people are adverse to that. And we are in the thick of things right now, wouldn't you say, Chris? I mean, we're talking not only only Iran, but globally that a similar kind of thing is going on. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a cry of freedom, uh, you know, for many people around the world in in various circumstances and situations. And, you know, another thing that's happening in Iran right now, Kaz, and I'm sure you're aware of this, too, is that many people are coming to faith in Jesus uh, because they have dreams. Yes, dreams and vision. That's uh, amazing. It is. We've got we've it got is. we've got about 40, 40 seconds left in this segment. How would you like to close this segment, co-host? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kaz, I would close it by saying I would encourage people to be praying for the people of Iran, that they would have freedom and uh, to do what they want in their lives. They're, they're just such a oppressive, restrictive government and, uh, and especially pray for more dreams and visions that people could find the ultimate freedom in Jesus. Yes, and by the way, my listening friend, you realize that there's scriptures tied to this. We're going to be talking more about some of those scriptures in the second uh, uh, hour for Come Together San Diego. Right now it's time for Chris Mitchell and I to take a break. We're going to talk about peace and peace treaties when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. I am with Chris Mitchell, and he's the CBN Middle East Bureau Chief. And uh, they've got a broadcast two times a week uh, that's called Jerusalem Dateline. And Chris Mitchell, we were uh, talking about Iran and Saudi Arabia and the threats going on there. And that would be naturally uh, a natural topic to transition into a topic called peace and the peace treaty and the issues that are tied to that because Saudi Arabia and others are just contemplating joining in. I, I want you to give kind of an overview about the the peace process and peace treaty and the pros and cons and things like that. Because, Chris, we're in the thick of time. If somebody thinks that Scripture is not coming to pass, <laughs> they need to dig more deeply into the good book. Isn't that right? Exactly. If you look at the headlines in, you know, your morning paper or whatever you see on the Internet and you look at the Bible, uh, many times that you can see what's happening Right here in uh, in life, prophecy coming to pass right here in Israel. Yeah, if I, uh, if I, I, I just say one thing. Go yes. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just saying. No, one thing that has, we see. Yes, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just want to give a plug to some friends, uh, Israel 365 News. Uh, you might want to check that out, my listening friend. Adam Eliyahu Berkowitz is a friend of Chris's and mine. He's an Orthodox Jew, but I love the way they do the headlines. They do their headlines saying, here's what Scripture says. And here's what's mm-hmm. happening today. And they draw the connection between the two. And my listening friend, as a believer in the word and a believer in the author of the word, the Lord himself, we need to be aware that scripture is coming to pass in these days. So when you see things happening in the natural, look for the scriptural reference and it will uh, give you some comfort to know that God specifically knew these things were going to happen and he's got things under control. Okay. Peace and peace treaty issue. Chris Mitchell. Well, I was going to say as well, and Adam's a good friend, and so was Rabbi Tilly Wise, and who started uh, Israel 365. Uh, and I would say that uh, in context of understanding the times, there was a scripture uh, in the Hebrew scriptures that says the sons of Issachar, the tribe yes. of Issachar, mm-hmm. they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. And I think that's a <clears throat> exhortation for all of us in these days to understand what's going on, to understand the word and understand what's going on in current events and uh, trying to discern the times. Well, so in terms of peace, Kaz, uh, you know, I think people were really taken aback and surprised by what happened a couple of years ago in the White House lawn, uh, I believe September 2020, when they signed what has become known as the Abraham Accords. That was Bahrain and the UAE and... uh, Israel and the United States that was brokered by brokered. uh, That was my Boston accent coming in there, uh, (laughs) brokered by the United States and the Trump administration. Uh, We one time uh, interviewed the former U.S. ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. uh, And he said that when he came into office, uh, he called it sort of like low hanging fruit. Uh, He felt like these relationships were there to uh, to to be institutionalized and to be brought into the uh, diplomatic arena. Uh, And so it really did change uh, the whole dynamic and paradigm here in the Middle East. There was a a sort of a understanding for many years that unless the Israeli-Palestinian situation was solved, there would be no peace between Israel and many of its Arab neighbors. And the Trump administration proved that that was was false. In fact, uh, former U.S. Secretary of State, uh, uh, remind me now, oh, Secretary of State, um, John Kerry, sorry. He uh, he said specifically there'll be no peace with Arab nations unless the Israeli-Palestinian conflict uh, was solved. Well, they, did so, they didn't solve that problem, but uh, there is a historic relationship between many of these Gulf Arab nations, Morocco and uh, and uh, Sudan, where they just are making uh, historic peace treaties with um, with the state of Israel, and they have military agreements now, business deals going on, uh, and it's a really counterbalance to what's going on with uh, with Iran and other. Uh, of its terror proxies in the region. And somebody described it, Kaz, in a weather analogy and said, you know, there's a sort of a high-pressure area between uh, these Sunni Arab nations in Israel, and there's a low-pressure area with the Shiite Iran and many of its terror proxies like the Houthis in Yemen, Hezbollah in Lebanon and Hamas in Gaza, and uh, the Syrian regime as well. So it really is a, a 
peace has broken out here. Unfortunately, I don't think the Biden administration has really robustly followed through on the Abraham Accords yes. uh, like people would have hoped. Uh, but we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, in the last couple of years of the Biden administration and, uh, and whether or not Israel on its own will go ahead and uh, sort of ratify these relationships that many times have been going on behind the scenes. Exactly. For example, Saudi Arabia, uh, there's been relations, there's been meetings with, say, the former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Are you saying those meetings are still going on? Well, no, I'm I'm not saying they're still going on. Uh, I would think they are, but we don't have uh, don't have any knowledge of that. But they certainly did uh, while the Trump administration uh, was in office. And we'll see if these uh, some of these things will come to fruition. Yes. You know, Chris, I've been over there a number of times, as you know, and that's where we came to know one another. But one of the times I was doing a documentary over there. So I was see I was meeting with Palestinian people. I was meeting with uh, people from the Knesset. I was meeting from a whole bunch of different people to trying to show some some, uh, you know, kind of an overview of what the people behind the scenes were doing. And one of the things that I discovered, because we took brought students from about uh, seven different nations there to to observe and, and and the whole documentary was tied to that but one of the things that i discovered was you know when you talk about the people within the land these people whether they're whether they have a muslim background or whether they have uh, a jewish background or whether they have christian background they, they really have a heart for peace i mean they get together fine they play soccer together they share grocery stores and things like that but as soon as you get politics into the mix the people have ulterior motives on what they want to do. And then also the issue of land for peace and all these other things take the foreground. And all of a sudden, the the truth of the heart of the people, just like in Iran right now, the truth of the heart of the people is lost through politics. We've got about three minutes left in this segment. Go ahead, Chris. You know, as I would I would agree. I think uh, if people would come here to Jerusalem they would see uh, Muslims and Christians and Jews, uh, you know, sharing shops or uh, Cafes. Yes. Uh, if you go down to the old city in Jerusalem, uh, that's that's what you're going to see. And uh, that doesn't dismiss the fact that under the surface, sometimes uh, there are tensions and sometimes conflicting and competing worldviews. Uh, but on the ground, sometimes it's uh, not quite the same thing that you see, uh, you know, on the news. In fact, we were just uh, during the uh, end of the Feast of Tabernacles, we went to to a a uh, community called Ephrat, which is not too far from uh, from Jerusalem, and very it's part of Bethlehem actually. Uh, Bethlehem Ephrata, uh, you can find that in the Book of Micah. Yes. And uh, so, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, the mayor of uh, Ephrat, his name is Oded Riviri, he invited many of his Muslims neighbor neighbors to come in and enjoy his sukkah. That's part of the feast where people build a sukkah, which is representative of what happened uh, when the Israelites were in the desert and they lived in these booths or sukkahs. And uh, he said this is sort of the grassroots way towards peace where individuals, neighbors can get together and uh, get to know one another. Uh, In fact, when we were there covering that story, we talked to a doctor who makes house calls in Palestinian villages and actually has a clinic where he brings over Palestinians so he can uh, he can treat them. Uh, free of charge. And so that's the kind of grassroots good news stories that people sometimes miss uh, when they see things in the media that just 
show one side of the story. Yes, yes. Well, my listening friend, we've got so much more going on. We're here uh, for this hour and also all the way through the next hour. The next hour, I'm going to have Chris. We're talking about news stuff in this first first hour of this two-hour broadcast. And the second hour, I'm going to have Chris take off his journalist hat and put on, on his eschatological hat. <laughs> you got both of those hats handy, Chris? <laughs> I do. I'll put them on. Okay, we've got exactly one minute left in this segment. So close this and then we'll go to the next segment. Well, I think people should uh, should be praying for people here on the ground and uh, for these grassroots movements like, uh, you know, Mir or Deb Revivi, that uh, people could actually get to know each other and, and work together. And part when we were there, we interviewed a, uh, a well-known uh, Arab leader. His name is Asaf Jabari from Hebron, who really has taken a pioneering role to, uh, to work with the, his Jewish neighbors, and those are people to be praying for and uh, things that would flourish uh, and bring peace. Very good. You know, my friend, maybe peace is more at hand than you think, especially if you incorporate the Creator, uh, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the mix. We're going to talk more about that when Chris Mitchell and I come back. But right now, uh, we're going to, in the next segment, I'm going to have Chris talk a little bit about a thing called the Red Heifer, as seen in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, and also in Hebrews, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends, with Chris Mitchell, Jerusalem Dateline. And uh, this is a broadcast that is available for you to view Um and Chris Mitchell is with me, and he's in Israel. He's in uh, Jerusalem, and I'm in San Diego, California. And, you know, the latitude of the, of the, these two areas are very similar. So in many ways, I think we're, um, we're, we're intimate friends on many different planes, Chris Mitchell. So <laughs> on latitude as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And when I say different planes, I'm going to use that as my, you know, Kaz, he, he uses puns yeah. and things like that. When I say the word planes, I'm going to also talk about a plane called American Airlines that landed in Israel not long ago, and it had cargo on it that was cattle, but it was not just just general cattle because Israel would probably not have received that. But this is was very sp- special cattle. It is cattle spoken of in the book of uh, Numbers chapter 19. And this cattle were what we would call red heifers. This was a m- most remarkable event, wasn't it, in, in Israel? You were covering that. I saw that you were covering it. And that was one of the reasons I came to Israel not long ago to set up an interview between you and Byron Stinson, the guy who from Texas helped bring over five, five red heifers. Talk a little bit about the red heifer uh, point of view. And a lot of people can go, never heard of it. Chris Mitchell. Well, the red heifers is actually uh, in in Jewish law. It's a very important uh, idea. It is in uh, the book of Numbers. And uh, what I'll read just a couple of verses here in Numbers 19. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, this is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish in which there is no defect and on which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him, 
And Eliezer, the priest, shall take some of the blood with his finger and sprinkle some of the blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle uh, of meeting. And last verse I'll read. Then the heifer shall be burned in its sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its ophel shall be burned. The whole idea behind the red heifer, uh, Kaz, and as you know, um, the ashes of the red heifer are used to purify the priests for the sacrifice in the temple. And so for 2,000 years, the uh, the Jewish people have not had uh, what they would qualify as a red heifer. As it says here in part of the qualifications on which no, uh, no yoke has ever come, which is no defect. And when they talk about no defect, they're talking about it's completely red, no white hairs, no black hairs, no blemish. Uh, typically, when a red heifer is born, it may get tagged. Uh, so Which would immediately disqualify them. Yes. Yeah. So as you know, our friend Byron Stinson, I think uh, people from the uh, Temple Institute that are working towards rebuilding the third Jewish or building the third Jewish temple uh, came to him and asked him if they could find uh, red heifers. And he is a Texas, uh, Texas man. He went around and uh, approached many ranchers and he didn't want to get just one red heifer. He wanted to get several. Yes. So they found five candidates uh, about a year old that uh, they believe right now, at least right now, uh, have no defects in them. That's why it was so significant when they landed at Ben-Gurion Airport on an American Airlines uh, plane. Yes, and, and now that, that, that plane was a, uh, American Airlines a 777. So if you're a numerologist, my friend, you may see this, this whole uh, event as burgeoning with scriptural innuendos. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so they have to wait till uh, these heifers are at least two years old. Uh, I think I've heard three, but I think two years old. Two years and one qualify. day, I think, something like that. So yeah. they would be in their third year technically, but two years yes, and one day. Exactly. <laughs> so the idea is that then if they if this qualifies, then the ashes of the red heifer uh, could be used to purify water from the Gihon Spring. That uh, is, and when we interviewed Byron about this, Byron Stinson, uh, he said even just a little bit of ashes could purify thousands of gallons of water from the Gihon Spring, which would be used to purify the priests for sacrifice in a third Jewish temple. Yes. So um, I, I interviewed her. Go ahead. No, yes. uh, go ahead. I'm just, you know, my favorite place in Israel, in fact, it, it, there's a scripture that says this one and that one were born in her. That place is called um, Mount Zion. I, I feel like that is my home, uh, in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm familiar with the geography there in the Gihon, where the Gihon Springs is in this place called Zion or the city of David during David's day, they were the same place, the city of David and, 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 and Mount Zion. And so this whole area, Gihon Springs is right in the heart of that, but also that right. fe- feeds down into the pool of Shalom. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, exactly. and then, and then on the, on the uh, one, one side, as you head back up, the, the, it's called the hill or the mountain of Ascension uh, along the side of the city of David. That is the area, the area probably that the individuals would be sprinkled with with the blood so that they would be purified to walk up the hill a rather rather short walk to get to the place called 
Temple Mount. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm seeing this with my own eyes. I'm seeing the uh, the excavation not long ago of the Pool of Shalom. All, all of a sudden, it was a real thing. I'm seeing the you know the 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 steps uh, coming to pass and the city of David being you, you know being revealed in these days. It's absolutely blowing my mind. And the fact that the red heifer is such a vital part of what do we want to say Jewish Orthodox history uh, from the Old Testament perspective, Chris, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing to see many of these things happening. Uh, in fact, uh, a long time ago, Kaz, maybe more than about twenty-five years ago, I remember interviewing Rabbi Heim Richman from the Temple Institute. He, I think, now he is an own uh, own organization. And we talked about the red heifer at that time. Uh, obviously, it didn't come to pass. But now we are about 25 years later where it uh, it looks like it is coming to pass. When you have five uh, of them, I mean, please. I mean, back in the past, I mean, they might find one here or there. Uh, and they go, well, I hope this works. And then all of a sudden they find a flaw and then the whole thing goes away. But five red heifers coming from a place called Texas and uh, just landed, and uh, this, we're waiting for them to enter into the, yeah. uh, you know, two years in one day, and all of a sudden, does that mean that the, that the temple will begin to be built from the Jewish, you know, from a Christian standpoint, we take it a little differently, but from a Jewish standpoint, is that, is that what that means? Well, I think uh, for some of the Jewish people, is exactly what it thinks mean. We interviewed, you know, Rabbi Yehuda Glick, not long ago about this, and he said the uh, the red heifers are sort of like the key to um, to um, you know rebuilding or building the third Jewish temple. So they they think it is a very significant event. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, whether or not or when that will happen. Uh, you know, the Temple Mount is likely the most contested. Uh, piece of <laughs> real estate right. on earth. <laughs> yes. So how and when a Jewish temple could be built there next to the Dome of the Rock instead of the Dome of the Rock uh, remains to be seen. But there is a movement, I think, among uh, a, some Jewish people to be able to, as a first step, to be able to pray on the Temple Mount. Yes. Uh, you may know, or people may in the audience uh, uh, may not know, that what's called the status quo uh, exists on the Temple Mount, which means that only Muslims are allowed to officially pray. Non-Muslims, Jews and Christians are not. Uh, that doesn't keep some people from going on the Temple Mount and praying silently or yes. uh, quietly. But uh, but they feel like this is uh, on the way to building a, um, a Jewish temple. I would add, Kaz, there are some people uh, in the Christian community who don't feel like uh, Christians should support that because... Uh, they read in the scriptures that the uh, the that, Antichrist yes. will eventually bring the abomination of desolation. And so why support something like that? I did ask that question to Byron. Yes, Stinson, and we've got said, about well, one one minute. So that's just your time frame. But uh, declare sure. what he well, said. I'll, I'll just uh, wrap that up. And he said, well, it was defiled, but it couldn't if it um, if it wasn't holy, then it couldn't have been defiled. So he feels that it uh, it originally became holy. The uh, the Antichrist defiled it to the abomination of desolation, but then it was uh, again made holy. So that was his point of view to that uh, criticism. 
I love that. I love that insight. My listening friend, you know, Scripture is going to happen. God's Word is going to happen. And this this third temple, this is, I mean, it's going to happen. And it's in the book of the Revelation. And it's, it, it, inferences is, are in, in throughout the Scripture. So we have to know that God's got a plan. And sometimes you got to walk through a little muck and mud to get to the dry land of the promised land. So we're going to talk more about that. But in the next four segments, Chris, I'm going to have you take off your journalist hat and put on your eschatological hat. We're going to be, you're going to see the hat exchange uh, in the next segment, segment when Chris Mitchell and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. This is the second hour of Come Together, San Diego, and my co-host for the second hour, guess what? It's the same as the host for the first hour. His name is Chris Mitchell, and uh, he is the bureau chief for uh, the Middle East, stationed in uh, Israel, stationed within Israel, uh, in Jerusalem, and uh, he's got a, a broadcast that he oversees and kind of uh, uh, is the chief overseer, I would say. He has Julie Stahl as one of his fellow people on the air, a number of other people as well, but it's called Jerusalem Dateline. Chris, it's time for us to have the Chris Mitchell journalistic hat taken off. And and the and the and the, and the uh, eschatological hat put on, Chris. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the biblical point of view. Uh, maybe talk about how God has placed you in this time in this place to do God's stuff. And you know, there are a lot of other people uh, around that God has placed in Israel that have a supernatural calling as well. But as you come together with other people in other nations, maybe even a nation called the United States of America, we can find common denominators and our singular understanding of scripture when it is made collective, like uh, with other believers, all of a sudden it is the fuller portion of the body of Christ and God will further reveal himself to and through his kids. So you're in a remarkable place and many people would say he's in one of the most pivotal places that a, a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob could be in. And that's Y-O-U. Kind of give us your perspective from that, and then we kind of jump into some other eschatological things now that your hat has been exchanged. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> well, well part, part of it is a personal journey, and, and I first came here in 1996 and uh, for the first time and fell in love with the land and its people, and uh, not realizing that four years later in 2000, uh, my wife and my three children would be here, uh, We and they served, uh, and they stayed for various times until they went back to the United States uh, to school. And you're an East Coaster. Uh, you're an East Coaster, are you not? I am, I'm from the Boston area, for those who, who are from that area as well. Actually, a place called Lynn, Massachusetts. Okay, can you uh, say the word Boston again? I love the little accent. Listen, listen closely, Boston. folks. Oh, Boston, and uh, that's where we park our car. <laughs> <laughs> so he's East Coast. He's he's left coast, and I'm 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 on the left coast. He's on the right coast. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not necessarily political points of view, but a geographical, I guess. Thank you. Thank you so, for pointing that out. And uh, so one thing that did happen before I did move here is that uh, I think it was in 1998. I went to a meeting with Derek Prince. The well-known Bible teacher and 
He related a story that in 1948, uh, he was leaving the British Army and he was telling a Jewish, elderly Jewish woman that he wanted to live in Jerusalem. And uh, so she said to him, well, Derek, you don't choose Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem chooses you. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. So when he said that, I, it kind of pierced my heart. And I thought, well, maybe, Lord, you're choosing us for Jerusalem. The next year, uh, my boss put out an email for volunteers to start a news bureau in Jerusalem. Uh, I was the only one to volunteer. Is it, you were the only uh, one to volunteer? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Glad yeah, you did. Sort of like, uh, well, I, I'm glad I did, too. I'm glad I said yes. And um, one thing that happened before I came, I was praying about coming, and I, uh, I was in Tel Aviv, and uh, for one of the first times I, when I had actually arrived, and I was praying about coming. I was on the balcony from Tel Aviv looking toward Jerusalem, and I sort had a kind of a picture in my mind's eye that the Lord was calling uh, individuals and organizations to the city and to uh, Israel uh, to help prepare the way of the Lord and felt like we were part of that. And uh, I think from a Christian perspective, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people are feeling that. And from a Jewish perspective, I, I, as you know, some of our friends believe they're in a time of redemption uh, when the, and they're, that's what they're looking for. So um, it is an amazing place to be. And, and the first book that I wrote, uh, Kaz, was called Dateline Jerusalem. And the theme of the book, you could say that 2,000 years ago, all roads led to Rome. 2,000 years la- later, all roads are leading to Jerusalem. And, I, and l- I let, me say, l- let me say that in the early New Testament, originally all roads led, led to and through Jerusalem. And then a little bit later on, there became some Roman influence so that all mm-hmm. roads led to Rome. And maybe that is a real big part of the <sighs> anguish that the world is facing, but mm-hmm. you may or may not want to talk about that. That's one thing that's in my awareness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think uh, Jerusalem is sort of the crossroads of history and prophecy. And I just like the prophet Zechariah said that, you know, the nations will come against Jerusalem and Jerusalem will come a, a, a burdensome stone. You know, I think we see the trends and I think, yes. uh, and I think most, many Christians, millions and millions would agree that we are in the last days uh, some would say we're in the last of the last days. And uh, I think when you look at what's happening uh, in the world today, as we previously uh, mentioned, and you look at the Bible, you can see uh, prophecy coming to life. Uh, yes. and, and let me just mention one thing. And the book of Ezekiel talks about the dry bones. And we interviewed, uh, uh, let's see, Kirshen, Yaakov Kirshen. He's the cartoonist that does dry bones. And uh, the inspiration for that is the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel yes. where the dry bones uh, in the valley come to life. And it's the uh, the Jewish people coming back to the land and coming back to life. Yes. Uh, and so we see that many times we've done stories on Aliyah and, uh, you know, going coming down to Ben-Gurion. Yes. People coming from North America or Ukraine or uh, the former Soviet Union. And it really is watching the Jewish people uh, come to back to the land like from Ethiopia, they get off the plane and they kiss the ground. It's it's literally seeing prophecy come to life. 
does, does, does this stir, stir you or does this hurt you heart, your heart or how do you reconcile this? You made a statement here, which I know is scriptural and it's true, but it breaks my heart. And it, you talked about uh, every nation shall come against Israel. So every nation includes the United States. It includes some of the other uh, nations that have been very prolific on behalf of Israel. That breaks my heart. And in some ways, I'm seeing that happen in every nation, including the United States. But then while it says every nation, like you talked about earlier in an earlier segment about Iran and the Iranian people have a real love for Israel, I believe in the United States of America, while governmentally maybe the tendency is going that other direction, uh, I'm given heart to to realize that perhaps nations will come against Israel, but many or most of the people in many of many of the nations will not come against Israel, but are in favor of Israel. Would you reflect on that? We've got about three minutes and ten seconds. In this yeah, segment. I think there's a there's an amazing trend. Uh, in fact, I, I was interviewing someone earlier today, Guidon Ariel from uh, Root Source, and uh, they were they're doing something commemorating the Kristallnacht, the Night of Broken Glass, on November 9, nineteen thirty eight, where Hundreds of synagogues or, and hundreds of people were either killed or wounded or arrested. Um, and at the time, many Christians were silent. And I asked him, was, is there a difference today? And he said, very absolutely, because there are many believers around the world who are choosing to stand with Israel right now, choosing to stand against anti-Semitism, choosing to stand against the BDS movement, um, you know, speaking out against Iran. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's... In these last days, there will be many people who will uh, stand with Israel and stand with uh, the Jewish people um, and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's a big part of what many people are doing around the world. Uh, Robert Stearns has this annual uh, event called Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem, bringing millions of people to pray, uh, and not just that one day, but throughout the year. And I think that's one thing that that I think we see prophetically is that, uh, you know, many people around the world are choosing uh, not to be silent like they did in the 1930s and 40s, but to stand up and to speak out and uh, to tell the truth about what's happening in Israel. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, now that you're wearing your eschatological hat, we're going to be taking a break in, in about one minute. But but Chris, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, strikes me is it used to be in many nations, including the United States, you could make a stand for Israel and you wouldn't uh, it wouldn't offend anybody in um, America that you have this love and embrace for Israel and the Judeo-Christian values and the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You could make that stand and it wouldn't cost you anything. In some areas, in some nations, and perhaps, shall we say, possibly the United States of America as well, when you make that Judeo-Christian stand, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something like never before. And we in America thought, oh, that's never going to cost us something because we're a Judeo-Christian nation. Now we're having to revisit things in a way that is remarkable and also dangerous, but it, 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 it re-emphasizes the fact that you have to have, you know, not only a passive belief in the Lord and God's plans, but unto, even unto death if that's necessary. That's amazing. Chris, we can talk a little bit more about that in the next segments, if you would be so kind. My listening friend, Chris Mitchell of Jerusalem Dateline, and Kaz will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next on K-Praise. 
Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. I have this man who has changed his hats since uh, the first hour of Come Together San Diego. My co-host is Chris Mitchell. He is the CBN Middle East Bureau Chief, and uh, they have a twice a week program now called Jerusalem Dateline. Chris Mitchell, how does it feel wearing that different hat? <laughs> it feels fine. <laughs> okay. You know, you know I, I think a lot of people know you as a broadcaster and a journalist, but I, I, I'm uh-huh. excited to have them hear and see about you from this point of view as well. And we, we Christians, we may, we may speak loudly on behalf of Israel, and, we, and that's maybe our eschatological hat, but sometimes our other hats force us to, rest, you know, restrain maybe in saying things because it may be costly. And right now, the cost of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, and also of being an embrace of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's 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 costly, and in particular, it's costly as we look at um, uh, making our godly stands in nations that uh, don't really appreciate godly stands as much or the, don't even tolerate them. It's a dangerous thing. Eschatologically, the Bible talks about this. Could we be in those eschatological times right now, Chris Mitchell? Well, I think we are. And I, I think some of the uh, things that have alarmed us, I'm sure yourself, uh, Cass, as well as the, the how quickly some of the... Uh, threats and the challenges to Judeo-Christian values is in the United States and the Western world. Oh, my. uh, You know, some of the uh, sexual movements that want to uh, silence, you know, any sort of opposition to what they may want to do in public policy, uh, whether it's transgender, you know, bathrooms. uh, They represent, you know, a, a very, very um, serious threat to our Judeo-Christian way of life. Yes. Um, and, and not that we, we want to come against the people personally. Not but the people. Wanna, no. Exactly. But come against the uh, policies that we believe that would erode basically Western civilization that's been built on Judeo-Christian values and based on the Bible. Yes. And would uh, you say be beyond the policies, pulling the mask further away, not only the policies, but the spiritual component tied to this, because let's face it, this is, would be of a satanic derivation, and, and you, this this uh, the cloak of innocence uh, from the the enemy uh, is being taken off completely, so you can actually see the ulterior motives. Even in America, I mean, I never thought it could happen, but here we are, Chris Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think you know it says uh, in you know. Uh, I believe it says in Second Timothy that, uh, you know, in these last days, perilous times shall come for men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises of those that are good. Yes. And uh, it, so I think these are signs of the last days that... Um, Things are happening in our days. Yes. But, uh, you mentioned you mentioned that scripture, but also in Romans one, it's very clear that they give up their natural affections for unnatural affections. Oh, 
Dear God. And, and the frustration, and I have to be honest with you, Chris, the frustration is, you know, you're, you're a believer in, in the Judeo-Christian values. You're a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're a believer in Yeshua, Jesus as Messiah. You're, you're a believer in these things. But the question has to be, we're in, is it, it seems to be insurmountable times right now that the enemy is coming uh, against us as a flood. And the Bible says, and when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the Lord shall raise a banner against him. What is that banner? What is our proper stand? I'm sure you're weighing that as well as a fellow believer. I think first uh, in this, I've heard, you know, from leaders that I respect, you know, how do we um, respond in these days? And uh, in fact, I've, Andrew Brunson, uh, we re- interviewed him recently. Cindy Jacobs, uh, yes. Heidi Baker from uh, uh, Ice, Iris uh, Ministries in Mozambique. Andrew Brunson being the pastor that was arrested uh, yes. uh, unlawfully in Turkey and spent uh, over two years in prison. Uh, Cindy Jacobs, uh, she's a prophetic voice that goes around the world. Uh, and I asked them, how do we, how do we prepare for these times? Uh, first of all, I think they, they all believe that... Um, persecution to the church is is coming um in a in a greater measure and particularly uh, the the western church wouldn't you say yes exactly and one of the ways that we prepare as believers and as individuals is to draw close to the lord uh we need that intimate relationship with him so that we can be prepared spiritually we could be uh built up and guarded uh that we would guard our hearts and uh from the times that are coming. You know, it says that there'll be times when men's hearts will fail, fail them, them for yes. fear. Uh, so we want to be the ones that uh, are coming to the Lord on a daily basis or hourly basis or moment by moment basis so that we know how to uh, walk the walk that he's uh, given to us and prepare our hearts for perilous times that are here, but uh, coming perhaps in a greater measure. Yes, and you look at the news, Chris, you know, you look at your your news at the CBN Christian Broadcast Network and it is all, that news is always seeded with Judeo-Christian values. So you can always rely on the, the broadcasters. I appreciate this has been, this CBN has been faithful to that for decades. And so I appreciate that more than you know. But within the component of media right now, you really have to weigh and pray what's going on because a lot of things sound right, especially if you embrace uh, traditional media and say, well, this is gospel fact. Maybe in the past you get a lot of gospel fact out of it, but not anymore. So it is a bit frustrating. And you talk about a scripture earlier about we looking through a glass darkly. So um, we've got about uh, four minutes left in this segment. How would you like to carry this out? We, we, we you know, we're going to be talking about eschatological things throughout, and uh, uh, you know, maybe in the next segment we could talk a little bit more about the danger of being fearful. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the other fear is mm, of exactly. satanic derivation. Uh, about three minutes, I'm going to let you carry it from here, and then we'll take a break. Well, I, I think one thing, in, in when you're talking about eschatology and understanding uh, the last times, I, I, uh, the end times, I think we need a, a measure of humility. Uh, uh, to give you an example, uh, one of my friends is a leader of a, a 24-7 prayer group ministry here in Israel, and he said for the last maybe eight or nine years, somebody has come to them and say, well, this is the year when the war of Gog and Magog is going to happen. Well, it hasn't happened yet. So I think we need some uh, humility and 
a good grace that uh, we do, as we mentioned before, we see through a glass darkly. And uh, we need to, you know, search the scriptures and search what's happening in the world, try to discern the times and uh, understand the times like we've talked about in the Sons of Daughters of Issachar. Yes. Uh, I think that's one thing in, in light of all the things. Um, and we know that one thing, regardless of, for example, if you believe the rapture is coming any day or it could be it's going to take a while for that to happen or the rapture comes at the very end when Jesus returns uh, to give grace to our brothers and sisters who may have a different view of the end times. Uh, but to realize that when it's all said and done, we do look forward to the Lord's return and uh, what we can do to help prepare his coming. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's a scripture, and I don't remember the address of this, but maybe you can help me. We've got about a minute and a half left. But there's a scripture that says uh, that people will say, you know, everybody said that he's been coming for so long, and it's never happened, it's never happened, it's never happened. But there is a generation that is going to experience it and is going to have to deal properly instead of saying, oh, yeah, this has always been said. So, you know, that's the other side of the equation there, uh, that somebody somewhere sometime time has to be the generation and this group of people that makes their stand. And Chris, my question is, what happens if it's us? And we've got about a minute. I'm going to let you deal with that. And then we're going to get into further eschatological questions in a moment. But deal with that in about a minute. Well, if it's if it is us, then wow, that he would uh, choose (laughs) us to be uh, part of this, uh, the last of the last days. Uh, Whether we are or not, I think uh, we need to live our lives in such a way that when we see him face to face, that he can say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. Oh, my. And I, I think we should lead our lives that he might come tomorrow or he might come. Uh, you know, we might not. We might go to see him before he comes back. But regardless, <laughs> uh, just to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who he said is the author and the finisher of our faith. Chris Mitchell, you're a remarkable man. You're going to be staying with us for a few more segments to the top of the hour. But uh, let's, in the next segment, let's deal a little bit about the topic that really is, uh, first and foremost, really in a person's life, in particular these days, and that is fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fear of the enemy, that's your downfall. We're going to talk more about that when Chris Mitchell and Kaz, (laughs) guess what, when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. We're approaching the end of the second hour for Come Together San Diego, and my co-host for both hours has been and is being Chris Mitchell, who is the CBN Middle East Bureau Chief, uh, and Chris... And Jerusalem Dateline. Before we go any further, why don't you give a way people can find out more about Jerusalem Dateline, uh, that they can actually find two different broadcasts uh, per week? Yeah, at the beginning of uh, October, Kaz, we started doing uh, two broadcasts. Typically for the last 12 years, we've been doing uh, a weekly broadcast. Actually, in the first couple of years, we did biweekly. But for the last 10 years or so, we've done a weekly program. So now we've expanded to two programs a week. Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, and you can find it on JerusalemDateline.com. And we try to tell people what's happening here in Jerusalem and Israel in the Middle East, and then stories that may affect Israel or the Jewish people, um, whether it's a maybe uh, a BDS story from the United States or 
a story about a uh, maybe a prime minister that wants to bring their uh, embassy here to Jerusalem. So we cover a wide range of stories. Oh, my. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about fear. We we know that the fear of the Lord, the Scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. But there's been, you know, the enemy uses fear tactics for other purposes. That's actually to steer us away from God and godliness. And I know, uh, you know, I've, you know, come together to San Diego. I interview a lot of different people, and I look what's going on in the church environment. That's really a big part of this broadcast. And I have noted that there have been a lot of people that have a lot of fear that claim Christ as their Savior. And I want to spend a little bit of time with you in this as far as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the fear, uh, the fear of things happening against you, it, it implies your lack of faith in the Lord and the Lord in your behalf. Would you like to talk a little bit about that, Chris Mitchell? Yeah, I, I guess we, we do live in uncertain and perilous times. We live in uncertain financial times. Uh, it's certainly been a radical change in the last couple of years, and particularly in the United States where inflation has gone to double digits. Uh, uh, mortgage rates have gone increased two or three times, and people are fearful uh, about whether or not they can afford uh, heating oil, whether or not they can afford gas to go back and forth to work. So some of these uh, fears are, are genuine and they're grounded in reality. Uh, but where is our, you know, how can we combat those things and how can we uh, keep our hearts fixed on Jesus who, as we had talked about, is the author and the finisher of our faith, in spite of these uh, financial challenges, emotional challenges, um, and the uncertainty. And the, the, we talked about earlier, too, about the, uh, the attack on Judeo-Christian values uh, that are eroding civilization. But on a personal level, a family level, a community level, a church level, they really are an assault on uh, you know, our worldview and way of life. Um, I can talk, too, about recently we uh, interviewed Heidi Baker from uh, Iris Ministries in Mozambique, and there is horrific persecution going on there, Uh, and where just horrible things are being done to believers, uh, whether it's torture or killing or uh, stealing land and homes and houses. Uh, And despite that, there are, you know, just remarkable stories of people Faith in the in faith in the, in facing this uh, hor- horrific uh, persecution, even death, uh, and I think those are inspiring stories. We in the West may not face that kind of persecution, but it seems like uh, increasingly we are facing uh, threats to our way of life and uh, to our understanding of Judeo-Christian values. So, uh, how do we combat fear? I, I think we combat it by by standing on the Word and getting close to the Lord and letting the joy of the Lord be our strength and in those ways that we can um, stand individually, but we also want to stand with our families and we want to stand with our um, Christian families, our churches and congregations so that we can uh, face this together. That's right. And I think uh, at Hebrews it talks about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And I think especially in these times, uh, it's more important than ever that we have a, a body of believers that we can pray with, that can we can support each other in the midst of uh, 
uh, tough times. Yes, yes. And one of the things that you said, and I agree, but also I, I want to just kind of bring another a slightly different point of view, which I, I'm, I'm convinced you'll agree with. But, you know, we need to know the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and study the written word of God, and we know where the written word of God is in is it's in His Scripture in the first covenant, or some people would call it the Old Testament of the first testament, and then also the second testament, which other people might call the New Testament. But studying the word has remarkable value, but also you mentioned something else about listening to Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit takes the word of God and he translates it into something that's palatable to your spirit. And the Holy Holy Spirit is remarkable in that. And one of the things that the enemy does not have access to, you know, the scripture talks about, you know, since the fall, he's been studying... He knows the word of God because he knows the creator of the universe and he knows the things that God has had written down. And he's been and, and the enemy, Satan or Lucifer, has been studying the written word so that he can even use the word of God against us. He can use the word of God against us, but he does not understand, comprehend the nuances of Holy Spirit as speaking directly to our individual personal heart. So Holy Spirit may use different vernacular with Chris Mitchell than Holy Spirit would use with the, the, in vernacular with, with Cass Taylor. But the, the whole point is Holy Spirit will communicate things in a way the enemy can't access. The enemy knows, says, I know what scripture says and I know how I, I'm going to combat this and I'm going to show them delusions and they're going to think those delusions are r- true, but he cannot combat the word of God th- through Holy Spirit into our own spirit. Would you like to speak about that a little bit? We've got about three minutes left in this segment. No, I, I th- Kaz, that's so great because uh, I think if uh, one of the things we do is, is that we need to get into the word and uh, get the word into us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the, um, what I think we all struggle with, I know I do, is that um, do we allow the world to get into us? And are we, what are we uh, putting our eyes to? Are we, um, do we spend too much time on Facebook? Do we or spend television. too much time uh, television or news? Yes, that's Not right. that we Except for Jerusalem Dateline, of course. We we must watch <laughs> we must watch that. Sure. <laughs> we don't want we don't want to be uninformed, but we don't want to be so informed of what's going on that uh, you know it or misinformed. Does, yes, exactly, and bring fear into our hearts. And what you said too about Holy Spirit, uh, we need to walk with Him during these days, because he can lead us and guide us throughout the day. And as Isaiah says, you know, you'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. So work, walking with Holy Spirit is so critical in these days. Uh, and, and so those two points that you made, Kaz, about getting in the word and getting the word in us and walking with Holy Spirit, yes. uh, these are the days that we, uh, we need them and we need him. And um, I, I, as I said, I, I, I struggle with sometimes getting onto Facebook. You can spend an hour on Facebook and I've realized, where did that time go? Could you have been spending it in the word? Could you, could I have been spending it in the word? Could I have been spending it in prayer? And, and I think that's a challenge to us in these days when there's, you know, social media and we're just bombarded over and over with emails and WhatsApp and Telegram and, and all these ways of communication sometimes we just get overwhelmed we need to as a as a pastor said or a preacher said the other day we need to be still and know that he's god spend time with him spend time in the word and spend time 
with Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we've got one more segment coming up, and we've got about a minute and a half left in this segment. My listening friend, here's the deal. And, and Chris Mitchell of uh, CBN Middle East uh, Bureau Chief uh, and Jerusalem Dateline two times a week. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but we're going to spend the last segment bringing everything together and talk about Holy Spirit involvement in in ways that are going to really, really help you. And my listening friend, we are in times where we need to not only know the written word, but we need to know the spirit behind the written word, and God gave Holy Spirit for that purpose, for us to know that. And I'm just going to leave you with this scripture as we get ready for the next segment. This is found in 2 Timothy. And Chris, I think it's 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study, pay close attention, my listening friend. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing dividing the word of truth. The point of the matter is there may be written truth in scripture that you say, I'm I'm making my stand on this written truth. But if you, there are times when you may wrongly understand, you may misunderstand the word of truth. And we're in those times where the enemy wants to make you misunderstand the intent behind the written word. And the only way to circumvent that is with God's Holy Spirit within saying, rightly divide the word of truth. This is your responsibility before your uh, you're God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So my listening friend, that is for us today. Chris Mitchell of CBN, Christian uh, Broadcasting Network and Jerusalem Dateline, and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on Praise. Well, welcome back, my friends. This <laughs> is the last segment of this Come Together San Diego broadcast. And I've been looking forward to this beyond beyond a long time because every time I have a chance to chat with my growing friend, you're not you're not growing as far as in that sense, but my growing friendship with you, Chris Mitchell, um, I become more enamored by him and uh, I love him more and more. What can I say? So Chris Mitchell uh, of uh, CBN in the Middle East Bureau, chief of, of CBN's uh, Jerusalem Dateline and other things, living in a place called Jerusalem right now. And I'm, I'm in San Diego, and many of my listening friends are in, in the United States, and some, many of them are in San Diego. So, so Chris, it's time for us to kind of tie things down. But one of the mm-hmm. things I, I really appreciate is that other people, you know, horizontally and our, our friends of both of us have been tying these things down as well. And when we start gleaning from, you know, I start gleaning from Chris Mitchell's point of view and he takes a few nuggets from Kaz's point of view and other people horizontally, uh, all of a sudden we get a greater uh, picture of what God intends for these final days. And also, uh, it, it fulfills that uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I think, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Chris, here we are, and we're doing that right now. So can we talk just a little bit about a, a book that I noticed? I, I've been reading this book, you know, uh, Ray Bentley um, yeah. and uh, Vicki Bentley and Bodie Thaney and... Uh, uh, Brock Thaney have written an entire series, and it's called the Elijah Chronicles. And um, mm-hmm. Ray passed away not long ago. It 
rent in my heart, I'll tell you what, and, and yours as well, to find out that he was gone. But this book uh, is called The Final Witness, and it's the last uh, offering in the in the book, book series of a, a man named Jack Garrison, a fictional character. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you've been reading this, and I know you were, are, were reading it because you're actually the first person that got, that uh, is in the prologue saying, here's a book that I recommend. Actually, your name is actually in there. So I've been studying through this book, looking through this book um, ongoing. So maybe you and I can talk a little bit about this. But also, Ray Bentley and Vicki, his wife, and Daniel Bentley is also, he's, he's the head of Maranatha uh, Chapel mm-hmm. in San Diego County. There are people that you can come alongside with, and you can broaden your faith by broadening your point of view. Uh, um, Byron Stinson from Texas is another person as well, and some of these other individuals. So I'm going to hand the baton to you. You have about eight, eight minutes or so to declare these things, and I'll give some color commentary. But I, I was interested to see your name on this book, and I know you're you, – you've, let's say you've got a pretty decent reading list right now. So I know you're reading through this in greater detail now. So I'm going to hand the baton to you, and then uh, we'll talk about this and other things. Chris Mitchell. Well, first, uh, you know, but our mutual friend, uh, Pastor Ray Bentley of Maranatha Chapel in San Diego. Uh, I first met Ray here in uh, Israel when he was on a tour. I think it was at the Inval Hotel and then got to know him uh, throughout the years. Uh, You know, if I was in uh, California, we could get together for coffee. And uh, I was able to come to uh, Maranatha Chapel a couple of times. He was so gracious to my uh, daughter and uh, future son-in-law when they visited uh, the chapel. And uh, I, he just had exuded such a love of God and a love of people. And I, I just fell in love with uh, Ray, and he was such an example uh, of godliness. And what a wonderful pastor, a fun-loving guy, a gregarious guy, and just the joy of the Lord was on him. Absolutely. And, uh, and you have to admit, he had a cornball sense of humor, not dissimilar oh, yeah. to yours and mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he just, one of his favorite sayings was uh, to step into the story. Oh, my. And he loved prophecy, and he loved uh, the times that we lived in, and un- to understand the times. He was involved in, you know, uh, helping bring the red heifers yes, uh, indeed. here to uh, to Israel. And he and uh, Barack and Bodhi Tenney collaborated on, as you said, the Elijah Chronicles. The Final Witness is book number five. I think The Mountain of the Lord is book number one. It is a highly readable series of books that take you uh, from Jerusalem to London to New York uh, to California. (laughs) Briefly to California. I'm laughing a little bit because the book begins with the destruction of California via an earthquake. And yeah. I'm saying, I, ho- I hope does. he was wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Well, it, it does it does make uh, the end times bring to life. Uh, it's not dogmatic. It, this is not necessarily the way it will happen, but it it's an idea of what may happen. Yes. And uh, it, it as Ray would say, it takes uh, takes people into the story and uh, and unfolds and unlocks and and reveals some of the things that may take place and how we need to fit into it. It, It's a wonderful vehicle for people, uh, for believers that want to understand the the end times more in a highly readable page-turning way, and also for non-believers that want to have 
uh, a, a deeper understanding of what in the world is going on. Yes. And, and I think a lot of people are in that place right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. So many things. One of the things. Geopolitical. Financially. Yes. One of the things that I really appreciate about Ray that that really cemented our friendship over the years, and that was it's not just eschatology, uh, eschatology it is eschatology tied to feasts and festivals, Hebrew, Hebrew uh, harvests and uh, days mm-hmm. and years, because this is God's language. God's language is using, you know, his feasts and festivals, days and years, the temple uh, the, the, to understand about the temple, you have to understand about the tabernacle of Moses before you can even think about understanding the tabernacle of David. All these different things that Ray and I hit on, uh, which really expanded our knowledge. My listening friend, right now, uh, we need to have an understanding of these uh, godly feasts and festivals. I was about ready to say Hebrew fe- feasts and festivals, but these feasts and festivals were our gods, and uh, the, the Hebrews were and and Jews are relegated to share their truths about the months, the years, the days, the seasons. I have begun to really embrace those things, and. Let me just say, Chris, I'm just going to toss this out there. We we are entering into, we are, you know, you'll be listening to this show first broadcast during the month of Hezvan, which is the eighth month in the biblical calendar. You know, one of the books in, in Ray's uh, five-fold book uh, shelf here is... Um, as in as in the day, days of Noah, this is the time frame right now in Scripture, Chris, and you you, you likely know this very well as as well. But um, it, in, in the time frame, this is the time frame in this this eighth month where Noah exited the ark and he began uh, repopulating the earth. And God says, as it is in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. We are we in those days, Chris Mitchell? Come on, please. <laughs> Flo- flood time? Feels that way. <laughs> flood time? Uh, well, not about a flood. Like uh, he promised, he wouldn't destroy the earth by flood again. But we certainly are seemingly living in the days of uh, Noah, just like Jesus said. Yeah. And I wanted to add, Kaz, that um, it, it's wonderful that Vicky Bentley yes. is taking the baton of Ray and uh, this series, the Final Witness, and the the w- amazing work that Ray did. And Vicky is is uh, committed to make sure that his his work, his legacy continues. So she collaborated with Brock and Boney on this final uh, chapter in the uh, the Elijah Chronicles, book number five. And I know uh, she wants to uh, continue that. I know you're going to be doing an interview with her. Yes. And uh, we hope to do one as well with Vicky. Oh, I love uh, it as well, and also Brock and Bodie about. Uh, this uh, this wonderful series that takes you into the end times and uh, gives you encouragement and hope. Okay, well, uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We have about one minute left. <laughs> yeah, I can talk to you as a fellow broadcaster. You know what one minute means. But I'm going to have you close this, and you can do it by prayer or a word of encouragement. And I want you to end by giving people a reminder about how to access Jerusalem Dateline. And you've got about a minute to do it. And I'm handing the baton to a fellow journalist and broadcaster, Chris Mitchell. <laughs> Lay it on us. I might end the show. I might end the show with the shofar blast as well. Go ahead. Okay. Well, great, Father. We just thank you for this opportunity for Kaz and I to talk and to have people just sit around and listen, uh, just like we're having a cup of coffee together. Uh, Lord, we do want to be like the sons and daughters of Issachar. 
to understand the times. We want to thank you for Pastor Ray Bentley and Vicki and Brock and Bodie who brought this wonderful series to us to help uh, interpret the times and help to um, help us understand the times. Lord, we want to be faithful to you. So I pray that each and every one of us listening right now can keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, so that whatever you've called us to do, whether it's here in Jerusalem or San Diego or Peoria or New York City or Mm -hmm. anywhere around the world, Lord, help us be faithful and keep our eyes fixed on you so that one day when this life is over, when you return or you take us home, you'll be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris Mitchell, thank you for joining me for this two hours. It's a remar- remarkable time we spent together. I'm gonna, as I began this show, I'm going to end it and say, God bless you. My listening friends, Chris Mitchell, thank you for joining us. My listening friend, it is time for the Shofar Blast as we close the show. <laughs> Listener, Chris Mitchell, God bless you all. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.